0: Instructional Designers in Offices Drinking Coffee is brought to you by Domino, makers of Domino One, the all-in-one, cloud-based e-learning authoring tool for teams. You can learn more at domino.com. That's D-O-M-I-N-K-N-O-W W.com. Now, here's this week's episode. Good morning, Brent. How are you this morning?
1: I am doing uh, pretty darn good? It's still warm in Arizona and you Come made in. me almost shiver when you said it was below freezing last night where you are, so.
0: Yep, it's Canada, baby. <laughs> Welcome to the winter. It's coming on. Oh, well, it's part of our charm, I would say. Complaining Is about the weather. part
1: of Canada's charm or part of your charm?
0: <laughs> it's part of Canada's charm, complaining about the weather. That's, that's our thing.
1: Well, we complain about the heat, and uh, we're happy to be done with that. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh, my volume's low again. All right, I'll see if I can crank it up for you guys.
0: Yeah, you're back up again. Excellent. Ah, So, folks, and and hello to everybody in the chat. Lots of uh, Peter saying Canada's very charming. But, Peter, you're biased. I know where you're talking from right now, chatting from right now. I know the (laughs) location. i think you have a built-in a built-in bias based on on that sorry peter's peter's like living lives in the neighborhood more or less so uh anyway good morning everybody um we have uh, we have chen feng with us here this morning um we're going to talk about systems thinking and a bunch of other things but before we jump in chen maybe just uh, introduce yourself to our gang here
2: sure uh hi everyone um yeah really excited to see so many people in the chat um my name is chen um so I've been a instructional designer for um, over five years now. I work as a senior manager um, of learning design at a Toronto-based agency called Metrics. Um And uh, yeah, just I am super passionate about learning. I think it's a great, great place to be right now with so much change going on in the world. And we really have a lot of responsibility to really uh, ensure employees are um really doing 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 the best and that they can so yeah really happy to be here and joining this community here today
0: yeah awesome yeah for the past two years um change has been a, a <laughs> it, it's not just been a buzzword it's been like the reality uh you know as we all try to sort out uh, how we can all move through this world of, of covid etc um so maybe let's 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 start a little bit uh, you know in that vein i guess cuz you were mentioning um as we were getting ready you know that that was kind of part of your introduction as well to the to some of the notions around around system thinking system design thinking etc um yeah so let's, let's let's maybe start there what you know what it was it about this uh you know last couple of years that we've been in um that uh, that changed for you and, and then sort of brought you into this idea this world of system thinking
2: for sure um yeah definitely i think the pandemic has definitely just um really help us see how how complex you know everything is is connected and depend on each other you know you know it's a health issue but it's also you know a social issue and there's you know economic issue and all that kind of stuff it's all you know so connected to every aspect of our lives so i think um that itself really um is really in line with what i you know have been always you know interested in is like how do we how do we look at a problem or something that's broader than the problem itself and really look at what's what's around it um and and basically two years ago i joined a graduate study uh program at uh OKA university so it's a program called strategic foresight and innovation and that's where i got introduced to um, systems thinking essentially so the program. Essentially combines systems thinking with uh, design thinking and business design into this, you know, kind of a crazy mix mix of things that we're, we're studying and uh, just really opened my world uh, to to this way of thinking.
0: Oh, very cool, very cool, yeah. and very fortuitous—not well, fortuitous, but um, uh, kind of a, an amazing timing to be to be, you know, living in a, a place or a time with so much turmoil and change and then learning and understanding this new framework as well and being able to sort of see them, you know, live and in action in a sense, I guess. Um, So maybe let's uh, get you to maybe define what you think of as a system thinking. So everybody kind of has a baseline of what we're we're talking about here.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, So first of all, I have to say, I'm not like an expert or anything (laughs) in system thinking. I've just, you know, started my journey um, and I have um, trying to make sense of what it means you know for me so to me it's um, it's a way of looking at a problem and then solving the problem in a way that takes into account the context within which the problem exists and um, so it, it involves you know looking at the complex uh, relationships interdependencies of different stakeholders different actors and factors in a, in a, in a, in a system and also involves um, just looking at the problem, you know, holistically and not, um, it, it's sort of the opposite of breaking a problem down into smaller, smaller and smaller pieces and solving a small piece of it. Hmm. Uh, so it's more looking at it from, from a holistic um, perspective.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think for a lot of us in, you know, the, e, in, the in the e-learning, the learning and development kind of world, you know, we focus on things like courses etc but um, it's always important that before any project begins to take a step back and just uh, look at the big picture because sometimes maybe training isn't the thing that's actually needed maybe there are other things that affect people's you know performance that could be solved or should be solved differently as opposed to um, you know having people fire up another course in the lms
2: yeah i i totally i totally agree with that i think uh, we tend to focus on like the knowledge part and mm-hmm. a little bit more of the skills, but sometimes a lot of it's the context is like you know, is is management supportive of a certain behavior, or is is do people even have the right tools and technology to to um, yeah to to achieve something? You know, um, so there's a lot. I think it's a very messy human uh, system <laughs> that we're all working in. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah for sure we we actually just ha recently had an episode um talking about you know one of those pieces of this messy human system and that's dealing with managers right we we had a we had a conversation specifically around that and i I think one of the things that drew me to having this conversation with you, which I think is so um you know exciting and worth talking about, is that we do have a tendency to kind of pigeonhole our conversations when we have conversations around instructional design and we talk about hey how to include your managers you know how to write better learning objectives how to write better uh multiple choice questions right how what uh what authoring tools should i use what lms should i pick right there's all these little pockets and um i don't i just as i started thinking back about it before this and uh i just i don't think we've had a fully comprehensive conversation around systems thinking and how i mean obviously we can't talk about all of those things in the system which is why i think this would be really fun to have this conversation with you is how do you start to pull all of those pieces together and and think I think we should all figure out how to do systems thinking first, or at least understand what it is, and then we can start kind of pulling all of those pieces together and start to realize how they all interact. And it was just it was fun to hear how you stumbled into it and um, and were able to um, you know take a, a, a an approach to a, a team and and try to figure something out. So may, maybe share with us a little bit more details about how that opportunity to take what you learned and apply it came about
2: yeah um exactly so basically yeah around a year ago you know in this program we have the whole course called systems thinking and it was very you know this very intimidating course like i couldn't understand half of it in in class and we were given this assignment of you know we have to map a system of interest and just understand everything about a, a system and my team uh decided to focus that was way was january 2020 so that was right before the lockdown happened so um a a couple of people in my group were in healthcare um so we were naturally looking interested in looking sort of tracking the pandemic and see uh, if we could use that system uh, as a way to learn how health system thinking works and then so yeah essentially we uh we, we we took some of the tools we learned in class and just mapped out how this complex relationship between uh, media, specifically you know social media and also formal media, and how that plays into the way the pandemic um, evolves and how people handles uh, the pandemic. So. Um, yeah that was one very uh, interesting interesting project cuz we were doing it and it was coming <laughs> you know it was, lockdown was uh, happening also at the same time so it was kind of a surreal experience kind of mm-hmm. studying it but also experiencing it Yeah
1: living it at the same time that's amazing yeah. right it's yeah. the that's the serendipity Chris was talking about earlier <laughs> <laughs> Yeah so maybe is now a good time to show that infographic
2: yeah, absolutely. Um, I can quickly walk everyone through it. Um, okay, can everyone see it?
1: Oh, It was there, and then it disappeared. Oh. I, th- I think you might have accidentally clicked twice and accidentally hit the close button right after you hit the open button. Okay,
2: sure. And
0: then, there we go. Yep, got it.
2: Got it. All right. So, yeah, this is the big, messy uh, infographic. There's a lot of information, but uh, I'm not going to get into like really, really uh, details. But I just wanted to show everyone. Um, so, let me just make it a bit bigger and so everyone can see a little bit more. Um, so, fr- starting from the left, we were just um, kind of identifying sort of the context of where, you know, how, what it was happening. And this was again, back in April 2020, and numbers have significantly increased, I think, I, b- I believe it was like, I checked yesterday, it was 5 million deaths worldwide. So it's, you know, quite incredible that, um, yeah, that the way this this has progressed. Um, but basically, um, going down here, I'm just gonna make it slightly bigger. Um, so this little diagram, essentially, maps out um, some of the key factors uh, that that kind of intersects between this health, the health side of the pandemic, the information, the reporting side, and then the socioeconomic impact side, uh, and see how the three are so interconnected. So things like you know how many people get infected, um, you know, it's it it, it can contribute towards, People's need for scientific information, and then the more information people need, there's more chance of you know misinformation happening, and there's this sort of this circle of you know people demand for media coverage so that they feel more safe and more aware of what's going on, but at the same time, there's an opportunity for misinformation to spread as well. So that's what we were looking at. so this is a gen- just a general sort of lay of the land of you know um, the different pieces that are at play here. Um, and then we also looked at um, sort of a little bit under the what and the why here. So this is actually a classic um, systems thinking uh, framework. Uh, it's actually called the iceberg model. We just uh, use a different metaphor here um, for the purpose of this project. But essentially, it's um, this classic sort of analogy that what you see below the iceberg is, is way bigger than what you see above the surface. And so in this specific tool, um, the purpose is to really dig underneath what's causing what you see as the event, um, sort of that you see and can observe and hear and, um, um, in, on the event level and the purpose is to go all the way down to the guiding beliefs and sort of assumptions that people hold. Um, so that, you know, and, and the premise is that the more you can try to change the beliefs and the assumptions, the more you can actually change what happens on the surface. Does that, does that kind of make sense?
0: <laughs> Neat.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah, and then and then going to the side here, we uh, we also mapped out the different players. Uh, so who who's who's involved, who's impacted by the pandemic, and again, this was uh, just up to April of uh, 2020, and was within a Canadian context, and also who has more influence um, on how the pandemic is 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 controlled. So this was very interesting because if you start putting the two diagrams together, you get to see like kind of that difference of, for example, media is, you know, less so impacted by the pandemic, but it's, it has a huge influence on how people act, um, to, um, in response to the pandemic. So that's a very interesting sort of a, uh, point here. And then, uh, Essentially, what we found was that there's a huge, there's a bit of a tension between formal media. So, so with formal media, quality is important, you know, um, making sure information accuracy is very important, but it could also be um, sort of not fast enough because, you know, whereas social media has this 24-7 production cycle, you know, it's fast and it can spread very quickly, but at the same time can cause some inaccurate information. So, Um, the whole premise and the finding that we have is how can these two work together as opposed to being sort of the opposite sides, opposite sides of, you know, the spectrum, how could they work together, uh, well, so that we can have, you know, fast, but also accurate information, uh, for the public. And then, yeah. And then the, the takeaway from this study was that there was a few things, um, I'm gonna just zoom in here. A few things that we can act on um, in terms of the way we produce media. So for example, uh, information has to be simple to understand. People love highly visual content. Things like flatten the curve at the time you know, really resonated with people. So just being able to find ways um, to keep information simple and uh, digestible is very important for media production. Sharing is also important. Um, It's very important to have, you know, link it to the source. So whether it's a QR code or a URL, uh, definitely making sure that information is not untethered from the original Mm -hmm. reference so that, you know, that proliferate, that can further cause misinformation. Um, And then lastly, media amplifications, the use of media influencers. Um, A lot of the, you know, Canadian government started doing, uh, you know, uh, sort of you know use social media as well and and use sort of the influencer tactics as well so I think um, that's one area we found as well that's important and then lastly literacy just generally everybody should have a base level of understanding how how to understand media and the information is presented in media is very important for combating info uh, misinformation yeah that's uh that's that's it. <laughs>
0: um that's um among other things that's just an absolutely beautiful looking visual that's a, a wonderful you know so kudos and compliments to the design team for the for the visual um, uh, you know pieces of that it's very um eye-catching and 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 really really does do, you know draw you in which is a piece of being effective in in communicating um you know that various information out you know the whole pandemic we've been uh we've been in this great mode really of trying to um uh, change people's behavior, right? Uh, wearing masks, uh, washing you know, successfully, et cetera. It's in a way, uh, I mean, even though we're talking about something that's outside of the realm necessarily of, of what we would think of as learning and development, it's actually been um, a macrocosm. I'm not sure that's the right word, but it's really been very much all about, uh, so much of it is, is parallels to what we have to do uh, you yeah. know, in, in our jobs here um, in the L&D world. Um, been a couple of uh, items in the chat there and, and folks in the chat, don't forget, there's also the question panel, if you've got a, a question or, or something that you want to toss in. But um, back when you were showing the tree metaphor, uh, Kim noted that this also exposes, in, in her quotes, what's called, quote, root guards. Um, and that's a fascinating kind of, kind of idea. And Kim, maybe you want to just toss in a little bit more um, uh, about that. That'd be kind of interesting to, 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 to flesh that out a little bit. Um, I don't know if the, um, if you have thoughts on that, Chen.
2: Yeah, I'm not really sure what root guards yeah. mean here uh, specifically. Um, yeah, but that's true. I'd love to hear more. And, yeah,
1: uh, I would. I would think that it's it. Um, just in taking a stab, a wild guess would be those elements in the image that you had that were at the roots. That there's a certain element of needing to protect those those, those base-level thoughts or ideas for, for any in any sort of system that protects it from changing and growing and expanding out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Um, and in systems thinking, I, I saw someone say Danella Meadows, Leverage Points, a uh, great book. I'm also uh, currently reading that right now. But basically, uh, the premise is that um, the more you can change the underlying beliefs, and uh, an assumptions that people hold. Uh, that's the greatest point. Leverage points in the system. Um, there are also a various different levels of leverage points within a system, but that has the greatest impact. But it's again very hard to, you know, just change people's beliefs overnight, right? So um, it's also one of the hardest, I think.
0: Yeah. yeah. And Kim Kim has offered a bit more uh, clarification around that idea of root guards. That sometimes there are individuals invested in maintaining the status quo. Yeah. So that's yeah. uh, I think that uh, parallels or that uh, links into uh, Brent, Brent's description there of you know things that don't want to change for sure yeah um, they protect the existing system and engage when there is a perceived threat yeah, yeah. for sure mm-hmm. so, so how do we talk uh, how do we start start Chris go ahead well I was just going to say so, so moving from you know that that project and, and your own you know learning in this world um, what kinds of things have you taken from that then into your let's call it your your work world of uh, yeah. you know the learning and development role that you that you that you have and the kind of projects that you do
2: for sure, I think um, so. There's a couple ways I think systems thinking can play in our world. Um, the first one is, you know, even the types of learning products or solutions that we produce um, needs to kind of touch upon the context um, of things. So, so, what I mean by that, so is an example. I recently um, worked with a client. It's a pharmaceutical um, organization. And um, they are sort of um, their whole business goal is to, you know, be a pioneer, continue to be a pioneer in the field of personalized healthcare. So, personalized healthcare meaning that people get the right treatment at the right time that's personalized to their individual disease. And so, for that to happen, um, as you can imagine, there's a lot of factors at play, right? It's not just one pharmaceutical company or even a group of them. Working on different solutions it involves uh, policymakers. It involves um, policymakers, you know, you know, sort of regulating sort of data privacy because it requires a lot of data being drawn. If you're, you know, giving personalized healthcare, then you need the data uh, to understand what's personal, you know, what's uh, what what people's individual sort of diseases. So there's that data site infrastructure data. Um, uh privacy part you're look you're looking at innovation with like maybe the academic sector uh the science science community and you're also looking at like with hospitals and different community healthcare settings so that's a big um uh, system that 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 you know uh, that we're sort of interacting in and the solution for training people to understand the system you know isn't really about teaching them individual topics in the in, in this uh in this system so the way we um we we sort of tackle this problem is we essentially created a systems map of all the different pieces and players and um that are within the system and it's essentially an interactive website um mm-hmm. and so on the website i can't really show it because it's a client information understood but- um, essentially, imagine going to a website and you, you go in and you can see this um, nice visual of, you know, um, that maps all the different players in the system in a very, very visual and storytelling way. So in the center, there's the patients with the pa- different stages of the patient journey. And on the outside, there's all the different players uh within the system sort of, sort of being shown on the on the map and then you can click into each part and then go into a page that describes to you how this this player or this topic interacts with all the other parts of the system um, so that was a very yeah, exciting project that uh, i worked on with the client uh yeah and i think that's just one way uh just definitely one of the ways that you can incorporate systems thinking in, in our solution
0: yeah. And I mean, just helping people understand something like that, that's not a linear thing. Like it's not something, you know, that would follow a straight line. There's just, just no, no nothing. Yeah. whereas uh, you coming at it from that kind of a visual expression, I mean, it's got echoes of a Venn diagram because, you know, some things that, you know, overlap and then maybe in multiple, you know, places, etc. cetera, yeah. um, probably leads them to, uh, I guess, a more complete picture as opposed to starting on page one and, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, moving through, uh, you know, uh, in, in this chapter, we're going to, uh, in that kind of a way, um, and this, tell us a little bit more about the storytelling. You know, the piece of it. You've, you've mentioned you've used that you know phrase a couple of times. How does that fit into um, you know this overall picture of of, of systems thinking, or, or how have you how have you yeah. used it in those couple of projects?
2: Um, yeah, I find that when it comes to for example in this project, it's a very complex, messy, um, messy system, mm-hmm. right? So in order to make it make sense for people, because you can't just present this messy map. Um, that, that is just a bit too overwhelming for, for people to, to grasp. So I think there's that storytelling component come comes in is where you need to also simplify a little bit in a way. So in this case, we kind of create this um, almost like mental model of like, okay, let's let's frame everything around the patient, the patient as being the center and the, all the things uh, the patient journey around it. And then let's put all, everybody who are involved in another layer sort of around. Around the patient, so I think in a way that that visual visual um, sort of this depiction is a way of storytelling how everything fits and goes back to providing uh, personalized care to patients. Mm-hmm. I
1: think it's. A, I think the thing that. Uh, um, oh boy, I'm going to get your name wrong. Uh, um, Dor Dorai. I know I'm going to say that wrong. I apologize, but you've been putting in such great comments in the chat. I just, I, I can't not, uh, I can't not bring you up, but um, it, it's what, it, it makes me think about that, that flexibility, right? That, that we need, we, when we're thinking about systems that we, we can't think of it, uh, to her point, we can't think of it as a static representation because, you know, what it's, it's, it's got to be flexible it's got to be squishy so when you're drawing that picture around it um you know even with the pandemic thing all that stuff You know if you could you know if it shifted around if it was live for example right and you could change all those numbers dynamically as things were happening you could see all the different pieces in the different graphs and the charts you know moving and adjusting as new data came in and as new information came in or um, you know if it was even a, a completely different scenario a different use case a different user in the middle or you know whatever that element is and i think that's one of the hardest parts for us just speaking from personal experience and engaging with with hundreds and hundreds of instructional designers and folks in corporate training over the last 25 years um, it, it, it we like to try to define things and make them very static and fit them into nice perfect little boxes and and define these systems and processes but really what what you start to get at with systems thinking is that idea of flexibility and how we need to be better at understanding that. And, uh, that's why I think it's great. Like I was saying in the green room that we're having this conversation, because I think we need in our, in our, the L and D world, corporate training, whatever piece of it you're in or whatever you want to call it, you know, we're all in that spot right now where we need to start thinking and being a little bit more flexible and more holistic in our approach to to learning and, and corporate training.
2: Yeah. And that raises a great point. Um, you know, first of all, I think again, yeah, I love the comment about being adaptive and it has to be iterative, like nothing is static in our world. Um, and also, I think there's a there's this notion that no one, no one person will know the system. So I think in you, yeah. if you're a system thinker, you really have to collaborate. With everybody and uh, really get different perspective to kind of fill in the picture together. And I think um, going back to what you're saying earlier in L&D, sometimes we we tend to be so laser focused on you know producing a training or solving a performance problem that we don't um, think about you know engaging with you know different business functions to really understand you know what their context and their environments are. And also you know i always think like for example how many lnd team has a data scientist on their team to understand how <laughs> to do learning analytics right there's so much going on there like people they, they figured out already how do like social media companies know how to change your behavior through little little design changes in their in the mm-hmm. platform but how can we so how can we learn from that um and also uh also like learning from marketing on how to how to advertise or like do learning campaigns um i find that a lot of times we spend a lot of effort on the the product like we don't forget we forget to you know sort of you know market it in a way that that will reach the learner Um, so yeah there's just i i think to me is also just working you know across different Different sectors and different, um, different, different fields and industries, and really understand how we can learn from each other.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's a, uh, I think the something that strikes me about the system design, system thinking kind of approach to is, it helps um, surface up assumptions that uh, you were talking about. Nobody can know everything, but there are often people who assume that they do know everything. You know a, a, about a, about a system. So finding, um, uh, finding those assumptions. Prodding them a bit to see if they actually hold uh, truth or not, or if there's actually data or information that suggests something, um, you know, something else that might be at play as well.
1: And you, you know what, uh, you know what, it also makes me think of. I mean, it's thinking of systems and thinking of bringing all these conversations together. We, we also, um, we have great conversations uh, lately. We've had a few on um, the around diversity, equity, and inclusion. And um, it makes me think that that also fits into this puzzle, right? When you bring in all of those diverse, you know, people and thoughts and people from different departments can be considered as diverse too, right? If we're all working in our own little silos, their perspective of the system is very different than somebody else who's working in a different part of the system in their silo. And so being able to bring all those folks together, I I think the things that we're learning from... DEI programs and, and um, you know, how we bring people together, I, I think, can play a little bit of a role in systems thinking too, because that, that's part of the overall larger system, but we don't think of it that way right now, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. Yeah.
1: Tell us a little bit more about the, um, your the, the project. Maybe we can get a little bit more tactical. What are your thoughts on... Um, if somebody were to try to, you know, get excited about systems thinking the way you have, what would you recommend to them or, or uh, you know, help them where to start? That, that book suggestion was a great idea. Um, but what are, what are some other basic areas where people can start to embrace it a little bit more or, or push a little further into this space?
2: For sure, um, yeah, that that's a great book. Uh, I definitely recommend that as well. There's also Peter Sandier's, um The Fifth Discipline book. It's actually all about learning organization and how um, how systems thinking plays into into that. So that's a great um, uh, book to check out as well. Um, I would say, um, in terms of incorporating systems in learning, just um, just start start digging. Digging deeper, I, I would say that's one of the first things. So we tend to, uh, we do ask, you know, why is causing this performance issue, things like that, but go deeper, level up. try to surface some of the uh, beliefs and assumptions and also go why to understand what are the context, uh, what's the context within which people are, are working in and what's what are the factors, different factors and players that could contribute to um, a certain behavior challenge or Uh, whatever it is that we're trying to solve um i do find that talking using system thinking language is hasn't been really widely adopted in organizations yet so it might not be to your uh, to your um interest to 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 just throw out these terms and (laughs) things like that but we can turn it in a way that just says you know we're just really trying to understand what's behind
0: what's Mm -hmm.
2: behind something and solve solve that because if you solve that then you can you can actually see uh, a difference so um, this is actually interesting because i'm actually doing my final thesis right now on, on that i'm looking into systems thinking adoption in organizations and ah. so far i can tell uh from interviewing experts that it's not very, very well adopted and uh, the language itself is a big challenge so uh, because it just doesn't resonate with uh, some of the organizational language that people uh people use yet so um, i will steer away from that for now for now until until there's a wider adoption
1: well we 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 say the same thing when you know don't don't tell don't use instructional design language either when you're talking to stakeholders and management and whatnot because nobody wants to know nobody cares nobody you know nobody uses the same terms and the same language that we do and i think this is another skill that we as instructional designers, speaking of tactical elements, that we all have to get better at, right, is figuring out how do we speak, how do we how do we get our needs met and get the information we need and the information we need from diverse groups and different parts of the system, different players in the system, using their language and and being able to not alienate others in the organization by just spouting off about, you know, I don't know learning objectives and, uh, you know, Gagne's nine principles of instruction, and, uh, you know, Kirkpatrick and everybody else, you know,
2: yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it, it parallels a thing that, uh, that we often end up talking about here too, is the, the, the role that so many of us in L&D get positioned in, in the organization is, as sort of order takers, like, here's the information, create, um, you know, create a course. Um, and having to be able to break down that assumption, having to be able to raise that as a conversation that hey, it's not just about the information, it's about potentially something more. Um, so it sounds like um, you know it's another toolkit, maybe not using the language necessarily that people are not familiar with, but um, helping helping I guess break that that mold that uh, that many of us seem to be in like uh, SME just gave me the PowerPoint and they they want to they want a, a SCORM package made out of it or, or you know, or whatever that kind of order taking uh, approach that unfortunately so many of us in L and D find ourselves often sort of boxed in by, you know, assumptions made by other folks in the organization even.
2: Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, a lot of that also, I think a part of it is because we haven't been able to show the value from, mm-hmm. you know, show the real business yeah. value. Right. But it's such a hu- messy human against human system. How do you, uh, you know attribute a learning program to the success of someone's job right there's so much mm-hmm. so much more to it so um i think it always goes back to um start collaborating with different different uh different fields like you know having a data yeah. person who can help you you know uh, sort of measure measure the outcome and and uh, sort of show your case and then having being able to market your solution well and you know there's also a lot of uh, expectation uh, sort of alignment, just like what's what's realistic, you know, from from the learning side. So like what can we can what can that achieve versus what a bigger system change need to happen, right?
1: Hey, well, I think too one of, one of the things that I'll I'll just I'll share with folks. I mean, I'll date myself here pretty easily, but um, you know, prior to technology and based learning and e learning and whatnot. You know, it was we didn't talk with it very much. Right. And I can remember in the early days of getting out on the speaking circuit and, and sharing all of my experiences and training and whatnot and talking to folks and realizing that just telling people you need to go meet somebody in your IT department. That was a big deal. That was like something that was new and revolutionary. Nobody really had thought, why do we, everyone was like, why, would, why do we need to talk to IT? It's like, well, listen, everything's moving to technology, right? You, if you're going to go shopping for a learning management system, you better figure out how you're going to implement it because these are the guys that are going to be doing it and maintaining it most likely. And so, you know, and as things progress and, or, you know, fast forward to today, If you don't know anybody in your IT department, I don't know how you're functioning. I mean... I mean, it's just, now it's just a given, right? Now it seems kind of quaint to even talk about it, right? There's, I, I don't need to stand up in front of a bunch of people and say, get a, find an IT buddy, you know. <laughs> and it's it's just it's we we should be connected with them. At least anybody in the chat not connected to IT, <laughs> everyone's everyone's embarrassed now if they aren't, and they're quickly they're they're scanning the contacts list of their business looking for the IT person. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean come on, I mean that's 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 as part of it. It's this transition that we've gone through as a, as an industry as a whole, right? And I think that's why this is so cool to be talking about this, because I I think it's perfect timing and you know, to map it to the pandemic and and all of that I think is is really powerful for us.
2: Yeah, and I think nowadays there's just even more tools that people use, uh, digital tools in the day-to-day oh, yeah. and Sometimes learning can happen in like this chat or teams and Zoom and there's you know the LMS and there's so many platforms. I think even just getting your learning to where learners are is itself a system that that mm-hmm. I think a lot of people need to navigate as well, uh, especially when you're in really big organizations.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked a lot about you know uh, the, the system thinking, system design thinking as something you know as part of planning and understanding and, and, and preparing, etc. Any sense of uh, how this then ties into, let's say, measuring things on the other side uh, as outcomes? We, we, you know, we've just talked a little bit about or mentioned our ROI, etc. Um, how, how does this then tie into, let's call it, the the end result then of what we're of what we're creating and, and pushing towards people?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I don't know if I have uh, the answers <laughs> yet, but I do think. Um, by understanding the system better, at least you can know what's realistic about, you know, what what a learning intervention can achieve versus what some of the structural uh, things that an organization needs to change in order for something uh, major sort of uh, improvement to happen. So I think that's that's one thing. And it's 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 it, it arms us to to be more consultants and more um consultative to, to to different business uh, leaders and uh, functional units. And also, um, but I do think that there is a lot more to be done about learning analytics and really just understand how do we, how do we, yeah, how do we use that to, to tell our
0: story and measure the impact as well. Yeah. As you were talking there what occurred to me was the I mean, the the classic ROI model. What did it cost to make the training and what kind of measurable benefits do we see and does if the one if the outcomes are higher than the inputs then then you know it's been a a, a good in investment but having that systems design thinking part of the process along the way also helps you give context to that. that okay sure we saw this much you know, performance, but we could, you know, maybe we could have seen this if other pieces of the system were actually addressed, things that were outside of the domain of of what we can actually deal with in in a training program. Or, or, or design for. So it gives a another context then for that ROI uh, process after a project has been launched into the world. But yeah, and think about
1: this too, it, it could be a different measurement or a different metric for each one of those parts of the system, right? Like, so if you're doing an RO, if you're thinking system wide, and you're creating learning solutions, maybe it's not one specific thing targeted at like one learning objective, or, or one department or one person. If you're thinking, you know, more holistically, maybe what that ROI conversation becomes a little bit more complex. And that one solution that you created it, for one department, it could have had really great uh, improvements. Another department, and maybe it only kicked it up a little bit, but then another department, yeah, maybe a little bit more, or a little bit less. And the aggregate is more the value of doing the work, Whereas if you just looked at one, how it impacted one of those organizations, you might scratch your head and go, yeah, that wasn't successful. And if we miss where it impacted other parts of the organization and then looked at that aggregate, you know, then, then that draws a whole different picture. And that's just another reason why I think this, the idea of, of making sure we take all of these different elements into consideration is, is really
2: important. Yeah, for
1: sure. What do you plan to do next? do you have any cool projects coming up that you're excited about or uh what what you know i i know in our talking earlier you know you're you're excited about systems thinking you you want to do more with it what is what is interesting to you and what are you what are you thinking is the next direction to head
2: yeah for me personally i am interested in um uh, making system thinking more widely accepted in in our community and and beyond so i'm just I'm trying to figure out ways to introduce uh the, the topic is very complex there's a lot of sort of theoretical um sort of background and history underneath it and it's uh you know the way we talked about it it's more of a today it's, it's a more like simplistic i was to say um yeah. approach to to just talking about systems but i think that's what it's needed right like i think it needs to be able to translate the language of system thinking into something more digestible for um, for for everybody so I think that's that's what I've been working on with my my group for my school to figure that out for our thesis and also take it forward and see what we can what we can do to um, to, to make sure it's part of the way we we think and, and do things
1: yeah, well, yeah this is this has been a super cool entry point into uh definitely diving into systems thinking and getting it started and I Uh, I I hope we get to do this again I'd love to see how uh, maybe you can come back and actually talk to us a little bit more about the 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 live projects you're working on and and uh, and how your thesis goes without getting a uh, you know seeing how that data turns out would be really fun
2: absolutely and it's great seeing so many interests in the chat as it looks Mm -hmm. like some great system thinkers in the chat here (laughs) which is really nice yeah
0: We've we've definitely benefited from the the knowledge and experience of our chat group by throwing in some extra resources, et cetera, there, folks. Um, Oh, there's the music. It's time to dance on out of here. Before we leave, though, Jen, toss in your contact info where people can find you. In all of the sort of various channels where you might want to connect with folks, um, and speaking with connect about connecting with folks, we do have our LinkedIn group as well, where we do follow up on some of these conversations. I don't know, Brent, do you have the link handy, or do you want me to drop it in?
1: I can have it in 30 seconds, or well, right. less than that, because that's Brent's all I got. i drop
0: that in. <laughs> um, and and if you want to uh, you know review this stuff later on, all these resources are still here in the Crowdcast uh, for anybody who's joining us and thinking, oh, I wasn't able to write down all those books. You can come back to the same link. And and um, and you can scroll through the chat to get all those uh, great titles, some of which we've been able to provide some URLs in there for. Building everybody's reading list.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks again, Chen. It's been a pleasure chatting with you and getting to meet you too. It's super fun to get to know new people in the industry and folks hanging out with us. Appreciate yeah, that.
2: Nice. Thank you so much, everyone. Oh,
0: thanks for joining Perfect.
2: us. And, and thanks to everybody
0: in the chat. Great as always. And we'll see you everybody uh, hopefully next week. Talk to you Absolutely. later. Absolutely.
2: Thanks, everyone.
1: Bye. Bye, Jen. We still have about 30 seconds, so, you know, just dance and drink coffee, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Enjoy your day, folks. Afternoon, if you're in the UK, if you're in Finland, have a great one. (laughs) Bye, everyone. All
2: right. Bye, everyone.